Hey everybody, on this episode of It's Just Bodybuilding, we've got special guest Kuba Chellen. So remember, leave your comments, leave your thoughts, and leave questions for our next episode right underneath here. That's the best way to get your questions answered. It's not even a better way, it's just it's easier. It's easier to do more sets. It's easier not to go to failure. That's honestly the thing, the difference, and the biggest difference now is like, if you was to step in a gym three, four years ago, right? At peak times, you would probably have 40 people in there getting after it, right? You mm -hmm. step in the gym now at a peak time, you've probably got double that. Hmm. Now, right. one thing we have to accept is like, not everybody likes to train hard. Not everybody can train right. hard. And not everybody can train hard consistently because it's not fucking easy. It's like... It's not easy to commit to a single exercise and know that, right, you're probably going to get to a point where it's going to hurt and it's probably going to get a little bit scary to try and keep continue to progress in that set, right? I I I thought I think I heard I think I heard someone say that like an announcer at a show butchered your name and you were like irritated. I thought that was you. I can't remember. Yeah, that that would have been me because the amount <laughs> oh. of times I've told him as well. Like, look, that's how you say it, and it's uh it's the first name that always gets me. It's like people that know me always get it right, and then people that don't, they're always like Cuba, Cuba, and, and Cuba. the amount of times I hear it in the gym as well, it's like I almost like get oh. Stop right. If it was this, if it was a C, I would say Cuba for sure. But I would say so. I was like, oh, it's, I don't know why. I just it always, I always said Cuba, so I was getting that right. Okay, Cuba selling. All right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that'll do. That'll do. <laughs> okay, here we are. We're recording. Scott's always rolling anyway, so he catches all the good stuff. And a lot of a lot of times, the best stuff comes before the intro. It's just bodybuilding. Welcome back to another show. And we have a guest today. Do I dare say the name? Kuba <laughs> Chellen. <laughs> we were just talking about the right way to say his name. Kuba Chellen from the UK. Good to have you on the show, buddy. Yes. Thank you so much for having me on. It's, uh, it's definitely a little bit of a honor because I've been a fan of the show for, for a long, long time. And uh, obviously, Dusty and Ron. Um, I've been legends in the sport, so you know the real ones, the guys that have been into it for long enough, will will definitely know both of you guys. And obviously, Scott yourself, you've been a you've been around for for a long, long time as well. But obviously, well, different side of things. So I'm gonna have to give the guys a little bit more credit here, just absolutely. for the influences that they've always had. Hell so yeah. Scott, well, you know, you've been great when it comes to the podcast side of things, but obviously, these two these two guys have been there. Uh, so what you're telling me is also uh, legends in the. Uh, I would say British culture in bodybuilding as well. So what you're telling me is if we all were in the gym together, I'm probably the guy who would lift the least, which it is true. There is that. So no, no, not anymore. Yeah. I think what he's actually <laughs> saying is he's giving, he's giving us credit for how long we've been around and how we know what not to do. <laughs> Whereas we know, we know what not to do. That's what we're the masters at. And Scott is actually the educator here. Scott's the informer. Scott's well, I just bring you guys. I'm he I'm here to bring you guys because you yeah, guys yeah. do have some great information, and I'm glad we could finally get you on, man. Like this has been people don't know it behind the scenes. We've been trying to figure out like get you on a show forever now. So I'm I'm grateful that we could finally have this conversation. Yeah, and yeah, it's uh, it's that. it's a lot more fun for us to have 
uh, people on that watch the show and kind of know how we are. It makes it a lot of fun and really easy. Um, so, of course, Scott McNally, Dusty Hanshaw. Remember, like, share, subscribe, comment, and... Oh, Dusty's got his mic off. Oh, Dusty's mic just, was off ooh, on that dropped one. the ball. Oh, man. We had a silent, we had a silent ring the You're bell. You're still off. You're still off. Dusty You're broke still everything off. now. Look what happened. We lost Dusty. Maybe he was yelling at his dogs. There we go. There we go. That's what he, he might have been yelling at his dogs. And ring you the never bell. know with the dogs. So now we got to ring the bell. Ring the bell. With sound. There, there we go. Yeah, okay. I need an and. And ring the bell. There you go. There oh. we go. And uh, and also remember, Mutant sponsors the show. They take care of us. They keep us going. So uh, hit up IamMutant.com and uh, use your code Dusty20 or Big Run 20 but you don't have to use that one. Or Scott 105, and, um, where you get it for free, yeah, 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 yeah. Pay yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they actually pay you $5 for shipping. They actually pay you $5 to use this, the code Scott 105. And, uh, and remember, and remember uh, Think Big Bodybuilding has a Patreon, and uh, your $2 or $5 go towards helping Scott, um, you know, with his dream holiday plans. Yeah, of um, making the show. I appreciate that, everybody who's helping yeah, to yeah. chip in. It's it's, it's a huge yeah, yeah, help. yeah. Okay, okay, Cuba. We're gonna jump right into it. Tell us why you like to be naked so much. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we thought for sure you might be story. naked when we brought you, you on. Jamie, I don't <laughs> Okay, since you knew exactly where that came from, I'll let you tell the story. As Jamie told you about the first time, he told me like a handful of stories where you were naked. (laughs) As he told you the first time he ever came to my house. Oh, (laughs) right, so. For some reason, I've always been the same since I was a kid. I don't like clothes. I don't like wearing clothes. So when I get home, it's like the first thing I do, obviously I'm sitting here talking to you guys, so I'm clothed. But the first thing I genuinely do is like, everything just comes off. So <laughs> I like to, uh, yeah, the wife doesn't mind. She's used to it now. But the first time uh, Jamie came round, I, I literally kind of forgot myself. I was like, yeah, come in, pal. Doors open, and he walked in, and, and I, I was pretty much nude, and he was like, well, this is this is new. It's like, you know, James, James is a little bit, he's a giant, but he's a gentle giant. So it was like, I've never seen anyone as sheepish in my life. And I was just, uh, after about 30 minutes of me sitting there naked, he did get used to it. So that was fine. That was like the first minutes. Uh, <laughs> but it, I like I like that you didn't like yeah, decide didn't to go get dressed. dressed. You I were like figure it out. Oh, this is what I do. <laughs> yeah, my favorite part of that story is the thirty minutes part. Yeah, that's, that's, that's the yeah. last part. Minutes, he got comfortable. Oh uh, so how are you sitting? Like paint the picture. Like are you sitting there like like are you on the couch with one leg up? Like how do you in the corner? <laughs> Wow. Okay. Wow. So that's, uh, I-, I wish I could say I was lying as well, but I'm actually not. That that was exactly how I sat on my couch. And he was like, oh, you were sat man. at the end of this couch, th- 340 pounds at the time as well. Like looking around, like, you know, <laughs> almost like a, like a scared cat. I'm like, yeah, yeah. dude, you're 340 pounds. Come on. Behave like you're a bank. <laughs> Is he waiting for a hidden camera or something? That's what I'd be doing. Yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> waiting for some joke. You'd have to you'd you have know? to zoom in pretty hard on that. So. <laughs> <laughs> Just no fucks. Love it. That's uh yeah okay yeah we 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 talked to a few people said what should we ask him about and that was the first thing Jamie said. He said the guy gets massages naked and everything. Yeah. Yeah, my physio guy's used to it as well. Yeah, he does. Yeah. He's uh, you know, gets paid, gets paid enough. Let's go. Yeah. I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, what, what's point in using the little towel? You know, we're all men. Yeah. We're so no men. sock in the spray tan booth. No sock in the nah. spray tan booth then for you. You don't even know fucks. Nope. Eh? Okay. That's oh, amazing. Hey, that's a confident guy. That's a confident guy. Even with all that ice cold spray tan flying around. Yeah. No yeah. worries in the world. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Uh, that stuff, you know how that is. You're standing there getting blasted. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, I think oh, yeah, by freezing. that time, I don't think anybody cares by that moment. I think everyone's just like, right, let's get on stage and that's it. Yeah, right. Once you got a half a diazide in you, all bets are off. You're yeah. not winning any contests. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you, Little... what's his name, Bo Lewis? Is it? Oh Bo yes, Bo. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Legend. Legend of the sport now. The unjudging legend. Yeah. Pre-judging at Olympia, everyone just like sat there in awe. Yeah. I was looking around, even my wife was like <laughs> <laughs> That that man has oh. been blessed. Yeah, there's or always cursed. a backup career for him. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. If he ever needs a quick thousand dollars, he knows what he can do. That's funny. You guys remember somebody <laughs> we, we had a guest on and they had asked us, like, if you could be any bodybuilder in the IFBB, who would you be? And I was like, I'd be Bo Lewis. I just raised my hand. <laughs> <laughs> somebody took that clip and they sent it to him. It was pretty oh, funny. Oh, no way. Yeah, yeah, somebody sent that clip to him. It was good. Oh, He's man. He's a good guy. Okay. Good sense of humor. That's funny. Wow. Yeah, That's incredible funny. physique, too. So what... What what did you think of the Olympia, Cuba? Let's hear it. We were just there. Might as well talk about it. Lots to talk about. What was your experience like? Apart, what was your weekend? Apart from the plague, apart from the oh, plague God, that seems yeah. to have riddled Bro. everyone. Um, apart from Except the plague, me. it was fantastic. But pretty much from Monday onwards, after right the day after the Olympia, I, I was pretty much starting to die. So yes. apart from that, it was an amazing experience. I do think uh, the judging is the main thing that I was really, really pleasantly surprised with hmm. because I was seriously expecting him not to give it Hattie. Yeah, me too. Just mm. for the reason that he doesn't speak English. He's not, you know, the American poster boy like Derek is, but I think based off the judging and how it actually went, apart from maybe a questionable few places, I do think that now we can all kind of have confidence that at these big shows, you are getting judged on what you present, not who you are. Mm. Agreed. I think that was uh, that was the biggest thing for me. One thing I did not like is the amount of time that we had to wait for the men's. I think that was a big, yeah. big letdown because I think anybody competes knowing to hold that look for all that time, yeah, especially so late at night. I think that's a, almost an impossible task, especially having a two-day show. True. I do think that that probably needs addressing a little bit, but who am I to talk? You know, that's just probably my opinion, which probably nobody really cares about. But I think that's probably the only thing that I think they could probably make better for athletes. But I just don't know how it probably would work. I think what I would, what I would personally like to see is 
men on one day and women on the other day, just yeah. to make it a little easier logistically wise. I Did think you that would have made Dusty? it a lot smoother because. Yeah, Dusty said that, didn't you? Yes, I said the same thing. Yeah. I think I think all the women should be Friday, all the men should be Saturday, and that should be that. Yeah, I agree because by the end, when men was on, I was like, I, I want to go home to sleep now. I'm I'm just tired. I'm yeah. worn out. So it's like, right, the excitement that was there was pretty much gone from having to wait so long. That was the biggest thing for me. But apart from that, it was amazing. It was a I think the expo, expo was great. It was great to catch up a lot of people, but I expected it to be a little bit more mind-blowing than it was. I think traditionally it's not mm-hmm. as big as the Arnold, like expo-wise. That it's Honestly, too, I feel like this expo was bigger. Would you guys agree? This expo was bigger than some of the Olympia expos have been in the past. Like the venue was bigger overall. But in general, I've always felt the Arnold is like the real big expo. I don't know. What do you guys think? Yeah, the Arnold's the bigger one usually at, at normal standards, right? Yeah. Um, but uh, I, f- I felt like this Olympia, I mean, there were a lot of like really big brands that didn't have a booth, you know, like Optimum mm-hmm. didn't have a booth, you know, normally, you know, there's that giant massive booth that has all those Glambia related companies on it. And there's a, like a larger, larger expo. Yeah. But, um, you know, I really liked the new venue. I mean, I thought it was, you know, I thought it was good just because the big companies are, aren't there doesn't mean it's not a great expo. There was a lot of people there, you know? Yeah. So it was busy and our, our, our booth was super busy. So that's what matters, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Was this your, your first time uh, out to uh, the expo then Cuba? Yeah, that, that was my first time at the Olympia as well. So okay. first time Olympia expo and the Olympia. What, the only what, expo I've been to really before was like body power. What did you think by comparison, like uh, Body Power UK versus US Expos, like the people and all uh, of that? How's it different? I don't know because the, the year that the year that I actually went to was when it was actually still pretty good. Okay. So comparing it on that scale, that's why I was a little bit underwhelmed because I was expecting it to almost like take me back a little bit. But in terms of quality, I do think that the, the venue was great. But that that was the only thing really. I was I was I was half expecting the expo to be bigger, but in terms of the show, I think it was uh, I think it was unbelievable. I think one of the, the most impressive guys and the most impressive walk was uh, Angel Calderon in two one two. Yeah, that was a hell of a look. He yeah, he was he, he looked really good in that top three, you know. To um, I wasn't sure where they were gonna put him, and I know like they gave him his little moment in the middle, you know, and just kind of lined him up and put him in the middle just to see how he looked, and he looked great. It's just Clarita was just a little too much too much going on for that, but I mean he really that's his best placing ever, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's yeah. Uh, he's, he's a super nice guy as well. So I think it was uh, it meant a lot to him. You could tell. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he did really well. What What did you think about generally about British bodybuilding? You know, like you know this this whole year with uh, how all the the British bodybuilders contributed and and placed and the looks they brought. How do you feel British bodybuilding is right now on a world stage? I think it's probably been one of the best years yet. If we can count Kamal as one of the British guys as well, especially with what Samson did, it's uh, mm-hmm. it's unbelievable. You know. We've not really had anyone that's been climbing up so high since Dorian. Hmm. Um, I, I don't think anyone has, really. 
for all them years. Like true so I do UK think guys, yeah. Yeah, I think Nathan the Asher came seventh or eighth. I think two thousand and what year was it? When Nathan did the Olympia, like twenty nineteen or something. Twenty nineteen yeah. or twenty eighteen or something. Yeah, yeah, right around there. Yeah, and I think Nathan yeah. was eighth, maybe seventh, and the yeah, lineup yeah, probably wasn't. Yeah, I think within them numbers, I don't think the lineup probably was quite as heavy as that. But I do think British bodybuilding is probably thriving more than ever before at the moment because we've got so many good guys that are. Are competing and active yeah if we can mm-hmm. count them as active now i think it's definitely probably the best years it has had for a long time apart from some of the old timers that like to uh bring people down you know i do think <laughs> you know it, it's a fact though apart from that I, I do think it's it's been a great year i would have loved to see nathan and jamie on that stage as well though this year if that would have happened i think that would have been like the greatest year since you know since dorian winning really if we, we had right. them guys on stage as well. But I, I do think it's good. And to be honest, seeing what Samson did and the improvements that we probably, probably all know they can still make, I would not be surprised if we see him in top three next year. Yeah, yep. those are some incredible changes. Yeah. Yeah, and he has the structure for shot. it. He won. <laughs> like, yeah. If he can do you, that, you know yeah, what I mean, yeah. though, with the the way he the way he's shaped with his his V taper, his X frame, and all that stuff. You know, there's there's guys ahead of him that don't have that frame. Yeah. You know, and like you know how the frame is like the frame really matters because it dictates how much you can actually get to, you know, and what you'll look like when you pile it on. You know, some guys look worse when they get bigger, but when you have a great frame, you just keep looking better, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and and you he's got the frame for Samson it. As well? Like what's most interesting well, with Samson is he always struggled with the width, I believe, like in past because his shoulders wasn't really, they didn't have the wow factor they have now. He mm-hmm. wasn't as... I don't think his physique was almost as imposing as it is now. Like two years ago, for example, if you compare the pictures, the thickness and the width just wasn't anywhere near to where it is now. Hmm. Now, if he can right. repeat that in two years again, I can't see many people being able to beat him or stand outside of him. Like the, the biggest thing that went in his favour, I think, as well this year, is he came out standing with Rami. Mm-hmm. And then when we saw Samson stand outside of him, and it was like comparable and if anything in some shots he actually looked even slightly bigger in my opinion hmm. it was like wow he, he's really up there now like that condition from the front if he can nail that from the back it's you know i'm not going to say ronnie coleman the next ronnie coleman but it's probably going to be as close as it physically can get to ronnie coleman yeah he looked amazing and uh the improvements really impressed you know anyone that didn't have his name in the mix like we mentioned him a few times but you know i saw him at the arnold and he looked great but the improvements like i was expecting an improved version of the arnold i wasn't expecting him to be like two years better yeah you know right and and you know how instagram is i just like dismiss instagram because i'm like whatever like we've just seen that a million times and then when he came out i was like damn because, you know, I heard some guys say, oh, I saw Samson and it's going to be crazy. And when he came out, I was like, wow, he looks fucking huge next to everybody. Like, yeah. look how much bigger he is and those, uh, how much taller and bigger he is, you know? Yeah, he's so, the statue in the frame, unbelievable. Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah. And then I saw him like when I went drop by the hostile booth there to talk to Paul um, and Justin and the guys. Um, Samson was there, and I was like, "Damn, he's bigger than I remembered." Because I met him at the Arnold, but I don't remember him being that big. So it was like, <laughs> it really surprised me, you know. So for sure, you know, yeah. How much he's been able to hold the muscle? Like, there's a lot of new muscle there, and for that not to go away in prep, that is super impressive. Right. And like isn't, him being able to bring like his back up so pounds? much as well. I think so. Yeah. I, I'm, Milos said he was like two ninety six on his flattest flattest day or whatever it was. But with Samson, I, I think we could just dismiss the body weight because he's a heavy guy anyway. But it's just. The improvement to the quality and size and the, the way he's kept it, I don't think I've seen that with many people ever before because I've seen it. I've seen guys get big real quick, right? And then mm-hmm. they would instantly go into a diet phase and that's it. They'd, they'd be like comparable to last time. They would lose a lot of the new size. Whereas with Samson, it's almost like he got there and just held it and just came down and yeah. didn't, didn't really lose anything. It yeah. was uh, it was impressive. Yeah, I can only imagine what that quality is going to be like with more time. You know, I mean, considering that a lot of that was brand new muscle, and it's not like it looks like brand new muscle. It looks like he's held it. You know, so I can only imagine. Yeah. Give him a year. What's that going to look like then? You know. What What do you think of uh, what's going on in the UK regarding the? the hardcore scene because when dusty and i were at the uh what formerly was known as the arnold uk um we had like a, a what, what what did we say like 99 percent of the people that came to the booth were like hardcore fans that listened to the podcast it was like yeah, an was extremely nuts. like extremely good reception regarding you know this type of stuff and you know that talking about the logbook days and, you know, the, the training in the gym and that sort of stuff. Um, unlike anywhere else in the world. And I've always felt that way about England. And, you know, I mean, y- you obviously feel pretty positive about bodybuilding, staying strong and alive there. Yeah, I, I really think it is with the current culture. I do think there's a big divide at the moment because you've still got a lot of the diehard fans and a lot of people that are still very much logbook orientated and progressive overload. But I'm not sure ever since Jordan almost have taken a step back, we've almost seen a shift more towards a lot of people utilizing reps and reserve, etc. Mm. And you know, that's okay. I'm not, I'm not going to see him bash it, but I do think that there's, a, there's definitely a, a slight mixture especially in the gyms as any of you guys that probably spoke to like James for example it's like any of the bigger gyms now you've got a lot of guys that are in there that like to pretend that they're hardcore but they're not because they'll spend longer setting up an exercise in the tripod before they actually get into the set and then it's almost like they're putting it on just for the set so you still have like the niche guys that are real into it that train really fucking hard and I mean like really getting after it but there's a lot more guys now that like to pretend so rather than actually doing so. And I think that is definitely something that's gotten almost under people's skin that hmm. are still the hardcore fans. And uh, you can see a lot more pop- popular on, on social media as well, where, you know, people almost having little digs at certain people that are doing certain movements or banning the movements. It's almost like 
just because someone's banning a machine, it's like it, it's like a sin because you know you're not supposed to ban it. You're supposed to be hardcore. You're supposed to do this. And it's like I've been brought up on Dusty's training, on DC training, Jordan, all the progressive overload, and and you know I'm, I'm, that's what I still do, but. I'm not the kind of guy that would sit here and be like, right, you know, just because you're doing this and I don't agree with it, I'm going to sit here and slag you off or, you know, try and put you down for it. So I think the scene is still unbelievable. But if you was guys, if, if you was here, I think you'd notice a bit of a shift and a, and a little bit more mm-hmm. of a divide than it used to be. Because if we talk three, four years ago, right, there was no reps in reserved. There was no banding machines. There was no fancy... Methods there was like literally everyone would be in the gym logbooking and bleeding out on machines yeah. with extra right. high blood pressure. Whereas now there's a there's a big difference now where people are almost scared to train hard in certain places. It's like a lot of content I'll put out, for example, it's like I'm almost getting into arguments with people because it's like, yes, I preach about correct execution, but first and foremost, it's about the intensity and training hard. It's not just about getting yourself right and getting your execution right. So I think uh, you know the hardcore scene's still living well and strong, but there is a you know there's still a a slight divide that I don't like to see, but it is what it is. Everything always seems to ebb and flow back and forth. Uh, that's that's why I think we are a little we don't jump on things right away. We give it like I tend to give things a couple years and see how see how they do. You know, I've seen so many things come around as the next thing and. If something can't survive the first couple of years and sort of phases out, then it's usually a waste of time. But um, I know what you mean—a little skepticism, right, Dusty? Yeah, I think it's interesting though because, like you had said in the previous ex- episode, Ron, <clears throat> most people who go to the gym that are trained to failure in their mind are actually leaving reps in reserve, and they're not getting bigger. Like that's my my the most basic argument if I was even going to say because I don't really give a shit what anybody else does I just whatever do what you want but if you someone came to me and they said I want to get as big as possible as fast as possible I can promise you I would not teach them to leave shit in the tank it's yeah. just right it's, that's not the proven system if you want to get as big as possible as fast as possible it'd be like okay let me make sure you're doing shit right check okay let me show you that you don't know how to train in tents check now that you know how to do that go do that and i'll see you in six months there's your big secret yeah you know so that's the 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 confusion i i and i get it i think what really is happening more than anything is with the internet if i go back to training the way i used to train and posting all my shit what you'll see is every third week the same workout will come back up again it'll be two and a half more pounds for one more rep And people, it's not exciting. But if I come on and I'm like, oh, I learned this new system. And if you leave 2.6 reps in the tank and eat a taco, you're going to fucking grow like crazy. Oh, I've never heard of that. That's exciting. Yeah. And people want that because the, the truth of the matter is consistency of hard work is something most people are not willing to do. They think they are, but you find in time that they're not. And that's why they're, that's why they're searching for a better way to do it. You know, I, I mean, I we've all been there where they gets... call you and go ahead. I no, no, I didn't mean to interrupt as well. finish up. It's, uh, it's not even a better way. It's just, it's easier. It's easier to do more sets. It's easier not to go to failure. 
that's honestly the thing, the difference. And the biggest difference now, it's like, if you was to step in a gym three, four years ago, right? At peak times, you would probably have 40 people in there getting after it, right? You mm-hmm. step in the gym now at a peak time, you've probably got double that. Hmm. Now, right. one thing we have to accept is like, not everybody likes to train hard. Not everybody can train right. hard. And not everybody can train hard consistently because it's not fucking easy. It's like, it's not easy to commit to a single exercise and know that, right, you're probably going to get to a point where it's going to hurt and it's probably going to get a little bit scary to try and keep mm-hmm. continue to progress in that set, right? And this is a thing mm-hmm. where a lot of the novel methods start coming in is because people still want to look cool on social media and look like they're working hard and training hard, but actually doing so, there's a big difference. And the, the difference is now as well, it's like, it's just so much more popular. There's a lot more people doing it. And I think with a lot more people doing it, we have to accept that there's going to be different different ways of skinning a cat, as, as, as I like to call it. And uh, I think that's something a lot of people struggle to accept in the gym and the gym environment in general. I think you nailed something there when you mentioned uh, getting a little bit scared. And, and I think that that's um, like... Like I, I remember what it's like to put five plates on a bar and sit there staring at it going, fuck, I have to get under that. Like, I know I can do mm-hmm. it because I've squatted five plates like a hundred times, but it still made me nervous every time I got, every time I ever put five plates on a squat bar, I got, it was like, fuck, this is like a weight that I have to respect. This could end my career. Hmm. This could, this is enough weight that you, you can't like, I know, you know, that animal, that's, that's what you have to find. You have to find the fuck this. I'm just going to walk through this. That's where you have to find. And that's my point mm-hmm. is that if you're not challenging yourself to get into those mental states, and again, it doesn't have to be about training heavy. It could be staring at three plates and thinking, I have to get 30 fucking reps with this. This yeah. is going to be brutal. This is going to be five minutes of hell and I have to walk through this. And you have to like get your head. If, if you're not doing something that makes you have to get your mind right, then you're not training hard enough. And, and <laughs> I, I, th- that, that's, you know what I mean? Like there has to be some For element sure. of that. There's, there's no way you can develop the physiques that we're talking about, the physiques that we all, you know, strive for, unless there's some form of like fear that you have to overcome. And there's a all million different ways that that manifests itself in the gym over the years. Like I said about the five plate squat, anytime I ever put a certain number of plates on a leg press, I thought, fuck, this is like, I got to like take a minute here and fucking really get my head Hmm. in the right spot for this. You know what I mean? Um, Certain weight, certain size dumbbells always kind of marked that like you're getting in, you know, anytime you grab like the 160 dumbbells, I was always getting into like, okay, this is like, you got to handle these perfectly. There is no room for error. You know, like that sort of stuff. And, and I just think that's something that a lot of people don't realize. They think if they just pull on the handle till it stops, that's like enough. But, but the, 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 that fear zone, you know, I don't know. That, that seems to be something that's really important when we're trying to develop like crazy amounts of muscle mass. I, I, but that's also what develops your brain, I, right? I mean, you, you have to have that. When you touch that and you beat it a few times, it becomes addicting. I think that's the part that people miss is like, you know, I told Scott at the Olympia, we talked, I don't deadlift anymore because if I deadlift, I will deadlift like I used to. 
and I will start pushing numbers and I'll be shooting for 800 again. And I don't want to do that anymore. It's an injury waiting to happen. The risk to reward isn't there. And that lift, I am not capable of being sensible because it's not fun. It is not fun for me to do 600 pounds. "Eh." You know, so it's like, I think that that's the thing people do miss though is as you, you develop that level of your mindset too, to where it's boring to go to the gym if you don't do that. That's why when I used to cruise, like Dante would say, okay, take your cruise period. I'd say, can I just stay home? I don't want to go and do that. And he's like, sure. So I'd just take two weeks off. I wouldn't go to the gym at all. Because oh, you, you walk in the gym. I mean, you know this, Kuba. Like, you go to the gym. You're supposed to be cruising, and the weight feels good that day. And next thing you, you know, know, you're doing what you're not supposed to be doing because I felt good that day. You know, so yeah. I would just – Say, okay, I'll just take two weeks off and come back and kill myself in 15 days. You know, my take. I think that moment, that moment just before that set, and as you get into that set, that feeling, and it's almost like you get in a different zone, right? And then oh, yeah. you unrack. And then when you unrack and the feeling you get, I don't think much compares to it. I think that's what's so addictive to the way that we train. I think. When you've been exposed to that and then you keep repeating that week in, week out, and then at the moment, for example, in my training, right, there's not a single session where I don't think about a certain lift. It's like yesterday, for example, I did my incline Smith, right? I'm already thinking about what I'm going to do again in 10 days' time because yep. it's not it, it's the excitement and the fear that's combining together that's driving me on towards that lift. And I think... When you expose that kind of training, it's like your whole life starts to revolve around it. And it's it's something that I wish more people would really experience because I do think that a lot more people would genuinely love training for sake of training alone if they kind of knew how it felt. Yes. And I've been extremely lucky to really be exposed to that kind of training very early on with... Uh, Ian Harrison's, I'm not sure if you know who Ian Harrison is, right? Oh, yeah. One of his oh, training, yeah. Yeah, one of his training yeah. partners. So when I was 15, I started training legs with one of his old training partners, Tony Megson. And we would train eight o'clock every morning, Sunday morning, right? And I would literally only just be able to sit down and squat and have a shit on Saturday morning with no pain and I would train legs again on Sunday and that would be a cycle every single week right and even though I was in so much pain and like I would almost half dread that Sunday every week it's like I would get excited for it because every week we'd be squatting more weight every week we'd be in a harder set it's like knowing that you know you can push past that certain level. It's uh, it's it's pretty exciting, and it's it almost it almost puts you into like a bit of an addiction where you're chasing it continuously. I think sure. that, that's yeah. the biggest. Like you almost get addicted to that kind of progress. Sure, and you know but, what else too? You know what else? Like I think reinforces that is that you are also seeing results. You're a you're yeah. seeing yourself get stronger, and b you're seeing physical changes. Like you can see yourself growing when you're lifting that way. And that, I think that combination is nasty addictive. And you can see, I love how you said that 
your whole life begins to revolve around it because you recognize if I get all this fluid in this morning and I push it a little bit higher, if I get all my nutrition in, if I get all these carbs in, then I might be able to get that one more rep that I needed. So yeah, I know exactly where you're coming from. I agree. That's it's it's a very addictive thing, but in the best way. I agree. I wish that more people could understand that when we're talking and I have nothing. I agree I, that there's there's nothing wrong with people who want to do reps in reserve. I yeah. think that there's more than one way to get there. But if those people could understand this, you know, what part of it is, too. And I'll speak from my own personal experience. I think sometimes we disqualify ourselves for a long time. I said to myself, well, I'm not strong like Dusty. I can't lift the way Dusty does. And I thought that I wasn't like that. But you know what? I, I, I was selling myself short is what it came down to. Right. I totally I'm agree. also fascinated. Totally oh, go ahead, Cuba. I totally agree. And I think these days it's like I've almost been blessed that I was put in a position I was in early on because I learned how to train hard first before I started mm -hmm. to really dig into the finer, intricate details of training and nutrition. Yeah. It was like, we would go in the gym and it, it would literally be like, right, we're, we're going to train until you pretty much want to give out and, and you, you, you completely had enough. Whereas now, people almost want to learn all the details first before they even are able to go until they can't physically go anymore. I think that's that's where kind of the biggest difference is for me right now. And this is where we get a lot of people clashing with the the kind of old schoolers, old school guys in the gym and the new school guys in the gym. It's uh, it's rife, honestly. Because obviously, I own a gym and it's probably a lot different here than it is over in Canada. Is uh, the, the kind of divide that we have right now, it's, it's very apparent between the new school and the old school. And I, I totally understand why. I totally understand why. A lot of a lot of the fascination for me comes to down to the dopamine discussions that we've had um, before on the show, and I I you know I was talking about Andrew Huberman guy and how he speaks about dopamine, and when they call it the motivation chemical, you know, um, that's that's when it really hit home, and he talks about he talks about the dopamine reward we get from work. Right. So if we do like hard work and then you get your gains, you get your rep on the hack squat this week, the dopamine rush that you get from that is sure. intense. And and the dopamine rush gets more intense if we've really put a lot of effort into something. So when you the, the more effort you put into something and then you get a reward, the dopamine intense is higher. So when you make leg day Sunday at 8 a.m. Yeah. And it kind of sucks for everyone involved. But then you get your gains out of it. It just like fortifies that reward. That, that reward system is just crazy. And that's what drives us. You know, that's why we do these hard things to I think Dusty used the term uh, callous the mind. I'm yeah. not sure who said that on the show, I think but, it's dusty. but, you know, develop that, that sort of mental toughness. And, and I look back and there's a whole bunch of things I did that were that sort of thing, like Sunday morning at eight legs. Like that's what you did. I did similar things like that, like things that, you know, like I always did legs on Christmas day. That was another <laughs> yeah. thing. Like, cause the Birthday gym was empty. I had a key, right. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's those little things that you do to make things like tough. And I don't know. I love that shit. You have to watch. You know what this else run. is cool? 
I just is, put um, I just put this out today. So check this one out, Ron, when you get a chance. Mm, mm. Dopamine oh, bodybuilding. Yeah, with Dr. Mike Miltek. Sorry, okay, no one listen to me. Just go watch that. That, um, <laughs> that um, another thing that's cool that happens over time is years ago, uh, Ron and I were training in uh, in Dino's gym up there, and Ron was like, "We trained back," and Ron was like, "I'll just do whatever you do." And like the second or third thing we did was uh, dead stop rows off the floor. And Ron's like, "I've never done these before," and I was hmm. like, "All right, well, you saw what to do. Do them." When you are experienced in finding that place. Literally, first time out, I think Ron was doing 375 off the ground. And, like, you know, you, you see the forms, you know, slipping just a hair, and then there's three more reps. And then there's that one more fuck you rep. And it's like people don't realize that that comes from the reps on the mind and everything else because it was literally the first time he ever did it. He got done and he looked at me and I was like, fuck. Okay, you should do these more often. Like, you know, because... I was like, those are really hard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, but you, you know, most people, because you don't have that mindset, you would approach your first time doing something like, oh, I'm just going to kind of feel it out and whatever. He felt it out during the warm-ups. He knew what to do. And the mind knows where to take the set. And you know when you're in a safe or unsafe portion to push, push some extra reps. And that's what you were saying, Kuba. It's like, if you don't find that first, you're in a tough spot. You know, like I feel the same way with nutrition sometimes. I get kids that are 17 years old. They're like, I want to hire you to, to, to train me. And I'm like, how about you just go eat a shit ton of food, keep protein your main focus, eat six times a day, maybe seven, and then come to me in six months. You'll be bigger. Mm. And then let's talk. Because if you can't figure out how to just plow down any food, I don't think we need to go to chicken and rice yet, kid. I don't. Yeah. You know, and, and I think it's the same with the training. Like you said, I, we used to do the same. It wasn't until like an older experienced guy pulled me aside and he said, bro, you don't have to do every single thing in the gym every single time to <laughs> yeah. absolute failure. I was like, oh, okay. Because that's what you would do. You'd, you'd do the squat and then you do the leg press and you do the hack squat. You just worked your way down the machines because we didn't know any better. But I think that that was a that's a good building block, because then all of a sudden when someone says, actually, you need five total sets. Hmm. But that same intensity, you're like, oh, I can do that. Easy. Right. You know, it's where your growth comes from. I got You know, I have a listener question here that I want to throw in for all you guys. But I want to ask Kuba because this ties right in. I was going to save this till later. But the question was uh, from Finn. And he says, Please explain the term to failure and how can you tell your clients uh, are at the point of failure without the risk of injury? How would you respond to that one, Kuba? Right. So if I've got a beginner client, what I actually like to do, if they've never trained to failure, right, I make them get on a bike and I make them pedal as hard as they physically can on a high setting. So, you know, the spin bikes, where you can turn up the you know the setting to make it quite heavy, yeah. right? Yeah. So if you turn it up to a heavier setting, you put someone on it and make them pedal as hard as they physically can, they will probably be able to pedal for like 30 seconds until they completely give out and they can't pedal anymore, right? If someone's mm. never, ever actually gone to total failure, that's probably the first thing I'll make them do. Huh. And that's something I actually heard Matt Jansen. I'm going, I'm going to give him credit when it's due. I'm not going to say that I invented it because I'm not a 
you know, I'm not, a, I'm not that kind of guy. Um, I heard Matt Jansen actually say this probably six, seven years ago, right? And I've literally been using that ever since with clients. Now, how can I tell with most clients whether they're going to failure or not is literally the speed of the last three to four reps. It's, if the speed doesn't really change at all, right? And the last rep is literally the same speed on the concentric as it was on the first rep. Like, you know they are nowhere near failure. And some guys yep. even try to put it on, you know. Some guys start getting vocal and, you know, start screaming just to complete that last rep of hack score. But it's like, they'll come down, you know, a decent eccentric, good control. They'll come back up and it's like, they'll almost start to scream. And like, as soon as it starts screaming, that rep looks even easier than the reps before that. I'm like, <laughs> right, politely, politely. And then I have to say, it's like, great set, but based of the speed of that last rep, you know, you, you definitely had three to four more reps in there. And I think when you call someone out on that, it, it sometimes lights a bulb and flips a switch, right? Mm. Then on mm -hmm. the other hand, when you start calling certain people out that have an ego, they don't take it all that well. And you either don't get phone clips or you start losing clients. And that's also fine because most of us probably don't really want them kind of clients anyway. But I think <laughs> the easiest way to really tell, it's like for anyone, like with Ron, Ron's experience and with, with obviously Dustin's experience, even Scott's experience, like I can always guarantee that when you guys watch a set, I bet you can actually, you can actually probably predict Watching that set, how many more reps these guys have left until they actually fail? Because Absolutely. you've seen so many sets to failure, right? Mm -hmm. And you've done so many sets to fail yourself. You know exactly how them reps change as the proximity to failure gets higher and higher. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, you, sure. can yeah. Feel yeah. Force, you can feel it. You can feel it. It's decrement. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, I was, I was kind of explained to people how you know, your rep should all look exactly the same. And then you have to be able to see that rep that slows down and, and that rep that slows down, despite the fact that you're maintaining the same amount of force um, output. Now, you know, you're, you're in the zone for those reps that really, really matter. You know, all the reps that are exactly the same speed are just to get you to that one that slows down. And then the, the one more after it that you really have to grind out, you know, so you're always kind of looking for those reps. And I had a coach that called that the force decrement. So decreasing force output. So he would always look for the rep that slowed down. And he's like, okay, now we're in business, you know? And he's like, yep. let's now here's where like adaptation occurs, you know? And he would always kind of talk about that, that end of the end of the set, you know, that little piece at the end that really, really, you know, we, we like to just spend our time there, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's what Dante so, used to call that. He he would literally say the now moment because the <laughs> moment that that starts, he would say that's when the set begins. Like the rest of yeah. it's just to get there. And he would literally, so when you would train and he'd see that little blink, he'd go now. And it's like, okay, these are the reps that are going to divide you. And sadly, that's oftentimes when people put the weight down and not even because they're doing reps in reserve because they don't realize like it got harder. Yeah, it did, but it was there. You know, and it is okay for the form to loosen a hair to get these things done as long as you're not putting yourself in a dangerous point. As long as your back's not rolling, you're yeah. still deadlifting. It's fine. Or you're still rowing. You know what I mean? That that's the that's the place where people miss is like you were saying, Ron, if they stay identical, 
and then you stop, then you just chose to stop. That's why I wish there was a way to train people without using numbers. It's very difficult. You say right, right. 10 to 12, <laughs> and then they send their set. And you literally watch at 10, it's easy. At 11, it's easy. And then 12, it's really hard. I'm like, no, because you told yourself before that set, 12. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I yeah. want you to tell yourself 18. I, <laughs> right. I, I like uh, Meadows used to always say that failure was um, when your form had to break 5 to 10% to complete another rep. He considered that, you know, the, 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 Fail, occurrence of failure and then anything beyond that was training beyond failure so if you do some cheat reps or forced reps or anything and 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 the five to ten percent was just depending on the exercise like a barbell curl could be ten percent form break whereas a stiff leg yeah. deadlift you want to keep that form almost completely you don't really want to break form on that you know what i mean so um he was always like kind of talking that way yeah hey i made a, a uh, note here um i'm sorry were you gonna say something kuba yeah, I think there's a lot more people that are almost scared to take it that far anyway. So it's like when people say it's like it's getting to, to the point where it's like risking an injury, it's, I very rarely see anyone train that hard that it is going to risk an injury. It's like if someone's training with poor form, there's a big, big difference between someone just not executing the movement properly at, or training to fail. It's like if someone is able to actually train to failure well, I very much doubt that they're going to be in any risk in any way because they are already going to be able to execute that movement well enough to be able to take it all the way there. Like you have to have the skill mm. to do that as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I got a couple questions for, for Kuba. Um, first one, are there too many coaches? Oh, yes. And no, Yes and no. I'm gonna I'm gonna give a I'm gonna give two answers here. Accurately right? rated. Jesus. <laughs> Accurately rated, yes. <laughs> yes and no, right. So there is way too many coaches, yes, but but it's a good thing in my opinion, because there is that many coaches out there that don't provide a service that they should provide. Mm-hmm it's almost making our life easier as a coach to hold clients and get new clients because there's that many different people getting either a bad experience or just a poor service. True. So as far as coaching goes, it's like everyone's trying to be a coach because it's think they think it's easy, right? And then anyone that will tell you that has coached, and I'm pretty sure all of you guys will agree with me on this, it's like when you coach properly, it's worse than a full-time job. It's harder than a full-time <laughs> job because you almost feel like you are working pretty much out of hours constantly. And it's like, you have to go above and beyond because when you start coaching, you're not just a coach. You turn into pretty much, you know, a coach, a trainer, a friend, and 10 different other things that you have to do for your clients. Mm -hmm. So I, I do think that it's a lot harder than people think it is. And this is why not many people actually make it full-time as coaches as well because when they realize what it takes to be a coach and do it full-time then they're like actually i would rather have a nine to five <laughs> and just finish and do what i need to do because with coaching and i'm pretty sure you'll agree it never ends like you work never really you're, stops you're sitting on the toilet at midnight going through whatsapp answering questions <laughs> about rice <laughs> And cardio. 
You know, yep. it's funny. It never. What are you doing in there? Uh, just catching up on coaching. You know, yeah, <laughs> you get Christmas. that question from the wife. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to hide. Yep. Um, what, what, what do you think? Or what do you think is the most important thing to focus on as a coach? As, as what do you think your number one most important job is as a coach? Cool. That is a very good question. Very good question. I would say continuously trying to self-develop as a coach. I think a lot of coaches hmm. are just focusing on coaching, right? And I think that's probably the biggest mistake you can do. Like coaching itself is not going to make you a better coach. It's just not. Mm -hmm. You need to try and learn something new to be a better coach. And some of that will come along with experience and on the job because you're working with more clients and more athletes and obviously every client is potentially like a case study that you can learn from but I do think a lot of coaches end up taking so much on it's like they just coach and I think when you just coach you never really get an opportunity to expose yourself to new information and, and actually being able to you know evolve and move forward I think that's that right. that's the biggest thing that can hold people down and for me it's like coaching goes hand in hand with, with my bodybuilding it's like the better bodybuilder I am the better coach I am and vice versa if, if that makes sense because mm -hmm. whatever I do with my clients will probably work with myself as well so that's the kind of beauty of being a bodybuilder and a coach at the same time as well because a lot of people in the opinion that you can't do both and it's like yeah you probably can't do both if you know you've got a terrible structure and routine and you know you're unorganized you probably can't but if you're pretty organized across your day and you know you you don't you don't get up at 11 12 o'clock in the afternoon and then start work you can probably handle a lot more than you think oh, yeah. <laughs> what uh what who do you think was the most influential person you've ever had on your coaching you as a coach so i wouldn't say just coaching right but I'll say the most influential person in my life and continues being the most influential person is definitely Jordan Peters. And he has indirectly also had the biggest positive influence on my coaching as well because Jordan has not only like paved a way for me, but he has engraved something in me for years now where... I have to continue to try and get better across everything that I do, right? Hmm. That's mm -hmm. what Jordan stands for. And indirectly, I think that has led me to being a better coach continuously because I'm always looking to get better. And that's not mm -hmm. just a coaching, that's life, and that's everything I do. And I think I'll say the most influential person that has led to me becoming better in everything that I do is definitely Jordan. And he continues to do so every day as well. So I think, yeah, without a doubt, without a doubt, it's Jordan. Because with how Jordan nurtures me as a friend, as a mentor, and everything that he does, he doesn't just instill self-belief in me, but he almost paves a way for me to make the right decisions and almost behave better in, in many, many ways as well. And it's definitely made me mature uh, as a person and in business in, in so many ways. And through having that influence, it's pushed me to be not only a better person, but a better coach, better athlete, you know, better in general. So I, I would say, I'll definitely have to say Jordan. Yeah. 
I noticed you said that he uh, he put he pushed you to get better at everything you do, and um, you know not just the gym stuff. And that that reminded me of one of my favorite sayings that I talk to Dusty and the guys about all the time: is how you do one thing is how you do everything. Hmm. And I find as I go through life, I can observe how someone does something, and it can be anything from how they handle their, like the condition of their gym bag. You know, right. what, what, what is in their gym bag? How prepared are they? How, how organized are they? Like there's a, everything is a metaphor for how everybody does everything. And I, I know right. it's not, it's not always like, you know, you don't want to, you know, convict people on, you know, their, their, their odd bad habit and stuff like that. But generally I find, you know, people that are always, you know, not quite finishing things. Well, they're the same people that don't put the lids back on their shit in the cupboard. And they're the same people that don't wash their dishes the same day as they like it all just, I just see these patterns and I just wonder what your take on that is and how, how you feel about how Jordan has affected what you, you said, everything you do. Mate, I couldn't even tell you the difference because he doesn't even realize the difference that he has made in me as a person. So little things, right? It's not only taught me how to handle certain situations in training, how to handle situations in business, how to conduct myself. And the biggest thing as well, it's he has really taught me how to not be emotional and how not to emotionally react, which has not only made me a better person in life, a better partner, a better businessman, a better business partner, but also a better coach because part of maturing as a person is having the ability to emotionally detach yourself from many, many things, right? And mm -hmm. having that ability to emotionally detach myself in everything that I do in bodybuilding, I've always had that ability, ability to do so, right? But I found it much harder to emotionally detach myself from certain business situations, certain life situations. And even with coaching, it's like, when you get so invested into certain people's process, right? If they leave or if they do something to indirectly, you know, I wouldn't say stab you in the back, but, you know, disrespect you in some sort of certain way. It's like Jordan is also almost like through the conversations that we've had and through almost paving away for me and, and explaining certain things for me, he's like, he's taught me the ability to real emotion attach myself from taking things personal and then being reactive towards them as well. And I think that's just such an invaluable trait that has a carryover into everything that I do right now because I'm not emotional in certain situations as a business partner that I used to be. You know, I used to react to certain things in 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 a in a way that I would look back now and it would be quite embarrassing. So hmm. it, it's a lot of things that's taught me and it's like Ever since he's told these things, it's like I pick up certain little things. It's like when I when I when I speak to people, when I count individuals, it's like I almost find it a lot harder to trust people now because I can read people much better. And it's like I see how people treat others and then how they treat me, and I can compare that, for example. And then it's like, hold on a minute, that's just one of many examples, right? It's like certain people treat me differently, and then I'll turn around and then treat others like shit. It's like that's not my kind of guy, you know, and it's, 
he has taught me so many things that have just indirectly had a positive influence on how I am in so many different things. And I think, referring back to your original question with coaching, right? Coaching is very much about your ability to obviously read people and communicate, right? Mm-hmm. Now, the biggest thing that Jordan has taught me is how to communicate. I, I almost had an upbringing where communication wasn't really a thing. You know, you're a man and that's it. You know, if you feel a certain way, fucking put up with it. Doesn't matter, you know. And I think Jordan has really taught me how to communicate in, in many, many ways. And that's just allowed me to almost like level up in everything that I do. Uh, and that's just been a, a massive difference with my coaching, with my work outside of the gym and coaching realm as well, with with the way I'm in, and obviously with my business partners, it's it's made a massive difference. I can't even explain it to you. Yeah, that's cool. Um, yeah, I, I try I'm, not to I'm go like you... super deep. You know? Yeah, yeah. No, well, that was good. That was good, and and it it, it actually brought me to um, the last thing I had on my list for you, which was the business of the gym. You're a fellow a fellow gym owner. Um, tell us about the gym. The, those of you that don't know uh, the fantastic thing you got going up there. Oh, tell us about the gym. What do you want to know? What do you want to know? Tell me. Uh, give me the elevator pitch on what your gym's all about. Right. So, what the gym's all about. Oh, so the gym opened in 2017, January 9th. And it was always a dream, you know? It was. Uh, it was something I, I, I set out to do from a very early age, at a young age. And I, I, I was going to do it no matter what. So everything I did, you know, has led to that moment. So long story short, I'm not going to bore you with it. I got into partnership with my business partner, Charlie and Mike. Um, Charles Martin, Mike Motinov, big up, shout out. Um, I've got to mention the lads as well. And it was an opportunity and a, an offer I could not refuse, right, where... They basically said to me, right, this is what we're going to do. We can pretty much create a gym of your dreams. And, you know, if you're up for it and if you want to kind of go ahead uh, and get that done. So Ultraflex was created, long story short. And it's a gym that has an array of equipment. It's all been hand-selected uh, across 13,000, actually 13,500 square foot bottom floor and we do have a mezzanine floor that's like 7,000 square foot so it's 20,000 square foot all in and uh, it's all prime Atlantis Cybex little bits of Watson it's it's pretty much hand selected across every single machine that you can pretty much think of um, that is meant to be indestructible but it always somehow gets broken uh, but <laughs> the, the goal the goal for the gym was to create the best training facility that I could possibly create. And I can confidently say, in terms of equipment and the environment that we've created at the gym now, I don't think many gyms can match this in, in, in England in terms of not just the equipment that we have, but also the people that train there now because the amount of people that have relocated just to train out of the gym is, is crazy. It's like people that have moved over from Italy, uh, people have moved over from Spain, uh, actually, two Barrio brothers, both natural athletes, uh, are moving over this month now as well. So it's like the amount of people that have relocated, not just cities, but from other countries, just to train at the gym, it, it's it's mind-blowing. And it's 
it's more than a, a dream come true now. It almost feels surreal seeing the feedback and seeing the people, you know, move their whole life over just to be in that environment and train out at the gym. So it's 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 quite epic. Yeah. That's cool. That's, That's awesome. Uh, you, you mentioned people moving, and I know the feeling. I've had people move from other cities to train at our gym, and it's uh, pretty uh, incredible when they come up and tell you, you know, I'm moving here. You know, like it's uh, it's great. And then you have the you know the Europe thing going on where people can come from other countries. That's just you know craziness. <clears throat> so you know, I I've got it on my list now. How how far is it from London? It's a three-hour drive from London. So it's a, what, an hour north of Birmingham. Yeah, it's it's literally just over an hour to Birmingham. So it's uh, it's actually straight down. It's a pretty easy drive. So if okay. you do visit, well, you'll have it's, to. Uh, it's uh, it's 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 on my list, and that's the is that the what's the location? You have two locations now, right? So there's actually a lot more now. So it's Ultraflex Rotherham. What is actually that's the original. Ultraflex. Right. So there's Ultraflex, Leeds, uh, Rotherham, York, Normanton, Durham, and there's no, they're opening another one in Leeds now, actually, as well. Um, so there's wow. like five, six locations now. Yeah. <clears throat> so you helped design the, the template of what the gym is and the equipment you bring in, and you brought your knowledge as a bodybuilder to the team and what you would want for a training facility. Is that kind of how you would describe it? So not entirely. I'm not, I'm not going to take all the credit there, but I, I have contributed a lot when it comes to equipment selection. Uh, but initially, I actually opened my gym before Charlie did. So my gym was called Iron Athlete initially. And then Charlie opened Ultraflex Leeds, which was the original gym, the first gym, like a few months later. And then when we actually got into business, that's when we actually started sourcing Prime and all the other equipment. Because initially... It was just kind of kitted out with all the top bits from Atlantis and Watson. Um, and personally, you know, no offense to anyone listening, but I've never been a fan of Watson Drew equipment ever. Um, and when we got into business, I was like, look, this is the equipment that I would like to get. And I, I literally had an opportunity to order any equipment I want. Like literally no, no expenses spared, no limits. Uh, so as you can imagine, I, I, I kind of went to town, and uh, pretty much, I pretty much went on. I pretty much went on Prime website and was like, "Yeah, all of this, please." Um, and then some original Cybex pieces, etc. So it, it, I've definitely had a contribution towards that. But Charlie, my business partner, and Mike, you know, the the, the both guys that have been bodybuilders themselves for a long, long time. So obviously, they they right. have the knowledge in terms of equipment as well. Uh, it's they're not just businessmen; they're, they're actually bodybuilders as well. Right, uh, right, know, so, okay. Yeah, so it's it's so not it's, just been that you know I brought the idea along and that was it. Um, dangerous but, team, but yeah, yeah, hundred percent. And with what they've taught me when it comes to business and how to and how to actually do business, it's it's definitely invaluable. But that's a conversation for another time. Uh, but initially, when I actually opened the gym as well. I had a barber's in there, a cafe, you know, sunbeds, etc. And back then in 2017, you know, that was unheard of. And I think that was, uh, that's kind of the business project and business model that we have now. It's where, you know, we open up a gym, but we also sublet a lot of the space to other businesses within the gym as well on the premises. Um, and, mm -hmm. and I can kind of take credit for that, off that, you know, uh, as much as, uh, 
I knew nothing about business back then. I, I had some okay ideas, I, I would like to hope. <laughs> well, I want to tell you that um, I'm meeting with Mutant to submit my location ideas for the season eight of Mutant on a Mission. And uh, one of the priorities is to come up to Ultraflex and uh, see you at, uh, at that, that home location of yours. And um, I know for a fact I'll be coming to England this year, so I will be seeing you, and we will sort that out. That'd be cool. Mate, that'll be amazing. That'll be uh, a big one for the bucket list as well because I've been watching Mutant and Emission since I was probably like, since it started, I would say. Me too. For some years now. Yeah, it's, it's, I can't well, believe it's been going you know. this long, and they, I can't believe they keep asking me for seasons. It blows me away. <laughs> and I, I gotta thank, like, I gotta thank, I gotta thank you guys, like real, actual bodybuilder, gym owner, kid heads that love their fucking leg presses and hack squats and random pieces from the eighties. Like the messages I get from you guys about the show, like. Like I'll talk about something on the show and then I'll laugh at myself after. I'll be like, "Who the fuck is going to care about that?" Like, because I'm so, really critical of myself. I look, I watch the, you know, I watch the edits and I'm like, "Oh god!" But then I'll get messages from you guys. You'll be like, "Oh my god, that's the leg press I have. It's the fucking best." Like, you're just so crazy about it. So it's 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 rewarding in that way. Yeah, we've actually got pretty much. All the hacks, what you can think of. I've just, <laughs> I've just managed to get the original Cybex as well. So Ooh. I've got the new Cybex and the original both outside of each other now. So when you when you come down and train legs, you're gonna have choice of like six hack squats and six hack squats, three different pendulums, nice. and like six leg presses as well. I should do that's a thing awesome. where I do like a, a set on each hack squat. That'll be the, just it. That's the whole workout. <laughs> the whole leg workout. Hey, you'll have to do the that. whole leg workout. You'll have to do that. Something random, something different on each one. Yeah. Um, yeah. We uh, thank you for coming on the show, man. It was uh, awesome to have you on. Uh, very generous with your time, and and uh, like I said, to have a guy on who actually watches the show and uh, is an actual pro bodybuilder, and you know all this stuff that we. Uh, you know, we're really freaked out that you that you guys are paying attention. So uh, we appreciate it, man. And and like you uh, you described earlier about Dusty and I loving the the British bodybuilding scene. It's uh, we we love just connecting with it whenever we get a chance. Absolutely. I think yeah, like I said, you've guys paved the way, especially uh, with the old training videos. I know that you both guys are retired, but you know I, I do think that you've had a massive influence, as Jordan has. I think. Back then, when you was guy, when you was at your biggest and, and your strongest, you know everybody used to watch your training clips. You know, either was mutant mission or watching, you know, Dusty's training clips as well and Jordan's. And I think that's what's kind of paved the way for people like me um, to actually train with some minerals and, and not, you know, not do reps in reserve. So, it's love it. A massive thank you from me because you've, well, you've done a lot of good guys indirectly. Thank appreciate you. that glad you uh hope you had a great christmas and uh you know this is boxing day we're recording right after the holidays back at work i'm sure you're back on your phone just fucking hammering out clients shit and uh seeing how much damage everybody did over the weekend so <laughs> so once again kuba anything you like to say to to the the people watching how can they get a hold of you if they want to talk to you so easiest way is probably instagram uh, Kuba Chelling, first name, second name. I think uh, if you type my first name in, I don't think there's any other. There's, 
there's not many other bodybuilders with the same name, so I don't think you're going to get many bodybuilders uh, come up with the same name. I hope not, anyway. Right. <laughs> so that's probably the easiest way. And uh, just a massive thank you to Jordan, obviously a sponsor, trained by JP. Yes. Oh, Big there you go. Up. Yep. There you go. All was the, that, was, it, was that under the Christmas tree for you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, to be honest, uh, okay. Jordan, did, Jordan does spoilers with uh, with all the clothing and all the supplements. So, yeah, just a massive thank you, Jordan. And, uh, yeah, I hope everyone watched the show. I hope everyone enjoyed the show and I uh, appreciate you guys having me on. Uh, definitely means a lot. Cheers, I've been a man. Fan for a long, long time. So, appreciate you all, man. Absolutely. Thanks, Kuba. Remember, Kuba Chellen. Owner of uh, Ultraflex up there in, uh, how do you say, Rotherham? Rotherham, that's it. R- Rotherham, there we go. you got to say it correctly. Okay, man, we look forward to seeing you at more expos and on more podcasts, and love to have you on again and chat. Um, next time you have some news, we can go over a big show or something. That'd be cool. Absolutely. Anytime. Okay, peace out, man. I appreciate you guys. Cheers. See ya. Boom. A little bit, little bit of a delay, but we got through that good. Is that right? That was yeah, great. I, so. I didn't see the delay. Did you see it? You had a delay? No, I, I felt like there was a little bit of delay, so I was trying not to talk over him and stuff. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah that, that, was, that was great. I really liked what he had to say about JP influencing him. That was That cool. was kind of the mm-hmm. meat. That was like what I felt was like the kind of, you know, the big core out of the, the interview was the kind of mindset that, that, he, that he's gotten from the bodybuilding and how it's like worked its way through how he conducts himself in business and, and everything. And, 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 you know, that's something that we've all, we've talked about that a lot, you know, like your dedication, your, you know, um, commitment to finish things, like all of that stuff that, that we get through the way we, you know, put all this effort in the gym and how it can carry over. If, if you, if you know how to let it, yeah. You know, like yeah. some people have this incredible work ethic in the gym and they can't seem to, they can't seem to carry that over to anything else. And, um, I think that's something that is, you know, it's a skill, how to, how to transcribe. It's like, it's like if someone knows how to play a uh, piano, they can, they, you know, a, a really good musician can then just look at like a guitar and they can, they can transcribe it onto yeah. the. They can figure out the guitar, and some people just need that that little that that ability to 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 transfer their abilities to another thing that's really not that different. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Right. Like log booking in the gym, not that different from running a business. I you know what I right. mean? There's these goals. There's these goals you've got written down. You have a system to get to them. Like, and it's the ability to kind of convert that and. I, I find that stuff really interesting. And I personally Likewise. found it interesting that he was also motivated by you guys, you know, inspired by you guys. You know, and I can relate to that having seen, you know, Dusty coming up, you guys both coming up and lifting heavy and, um, you know, showing people what hardcore bodybuilding could be. I love seeing that, you know, that's influenced the next generation. I feel good about seeing that. It's Absolutely. also strange. It's strange for me because, like, I didn't put out nearly as much content as Dusty did when he was still competing. Like Dusty had several years of his actual career where he was really pumping out, you know, crazy deadlift sets and, and that sort of stuff. And I, I didn't really, you know, I could sort of, you know, Instagram was 2012 and I was done in 2015. So I didn't really do as much of that. 
And and then also my biggest, strongest kind of when my body was at its like most functionally strong was kind of like 05 to 2010 was kind yeah. of when I was at my right. strongest but before any of my injuries. And I don't really I didn't really film anything of substance back then. We weren't posting you know that I mean? stuff on MySpace, you know? Yeah. And we, we weren't putting big like, yeah, you know, we, we weren't really doing it. I was late to YouTube and, you know, I didn't really do that. And um, so I feel like I, I, I'm sort of amazed that, that, you know, he's like, oh yeah, I watched all your, everything you did. I was like, oh, I didn't do much. But you so did mute on a mission, you know? I mean, and I know yeah, that was a little I started later. Yeah, doing those. And, but you really, yeah, that, yeah. that was a big, I think it showed that the lifestyle, it showed the, you know, the, the yeah. showed that hardcore yeah. lifestyle is really what it and, did. And I even think. though like like mutant on a mission was sort of, you know, I wasn't at my biggest and strongest for any of that really. Um it was the intensity and uh like the attitude towards training and you know, so yes. I'm really happy to see that that like that took a uh, that was able to kind of transfer. Yeah. You know? Yeah. For so. sure. You know how we're hard on ourselves as bodybuilders. Like, oh, well, I'm only doing five plates. This video is not interesting. Yeah. <laughs> right. But there's right. You know, like, you know, everyone else is putting eight plates on this machine. Why should I post my five plate set? Sure. Like, who cares? Right. But there's, you know, there's you, a lot you know, more. Crazy. You only you only do that against yourself because I know you guys yeah. have both done this. I did this the other day. I'm sitting in the gym and I was uh, it was before we went to Vegas and I look over and there was a, a kid squatting uh, 185. Right. Yeah but flawless yeah and then Perfect grinding reps. out extra reps like to the point i almost walked over because i'm like oh he's going for reps that may not be there yeah and i just remember shaking my head and i actually uh yelled to a friend of mine i'm like look at this shit yeah. like and he goes damn like so you you really do only do that to yourself because like you said the intensity comes through yeah and at the end of the day that's that's training. the The weight is just the weight, you know. I mean, I've seen guys be more dangerous with one thirty five to their strength yeah. versus yeah. me with five hundred, because I'm like, oh god, you're gonna get hurt, kid. That's crazy. And I've seen <laughs> really impressive sets with weight that really wasn't that nuts. But you're like, you know, you see them, they're like, oh, he's done, and then he does another one, and then they do another one, and you're like, oh fuck, yeah. And it was one hundred eighty five pounds, yeah. but I forgot that it didn't matter. You know, so it, it is a funny thing that, that people tend to do to themselves. Cause I know for a fact, you know, I mean, how I've seen Ron do it, walk over to someone and be like, damn, like you got after that. Oh yeah. I and, do it all the time. You know, yeah. Yeah. I saw a kid squatting the other day and he like, we, we were, Braden and I were on the, one of the T-bar rows and we weren't far from the squat rack. And this kid, I looked over and he had four plates aside and he barely weighs 200 pounds. Yeah. Right. So I was like, right away, we kind of looked at each other and I looked back over and we were like, okay, let's see what happens here. And the kid goes down and up real fast. Okay. And then he goes down and up real fast again. Yeah. And we're like, damn. And then the fourth rep was slow. Okay. Like, <laughs> like it was a creeper. And I was like, he does not have another rep. And then he walked it in and racked it. Yeah. And I just went over to him and I was like, dude, that's like double your body weight. And you were just burying it and your form was perfect and he's like oh thanks man you know like like it was impressive you know yeah just that how his form was so locked in and he went right to the verge like he almost fucking didn't make that last one you know yeah and i was like ah, i gotta go say <laughs> something that. to this kid i gotta go say something you know so okay well that was a great uh great guest i enjoyed having him on man uh Cuba's a good guy and and uh i liked how we 
I, I actually had a, a few things else on the list, but we started talking about training mentality and that ate up like a big chunk of it, which I guess yeah. is what people are going to want from I knew from you guys us, would get into so that's that. cool. I knew you guys would get but, into yeah. that, so I'm glad we could bring I, did, I didn't even really get into the logbook stuff. I had questions about logbooks because he's posted a lot about them. You know, like yeah, I had stuff, stuff too. Like he had, he has stuff about yeah. training sequence that I wanted to ask him. But you, yeah, you know, we yeah, had some yeah, good yeah. stuff anyway, though. Well, you know, good, good excuse yeah. to bring him back. Talk a I, little more I had, specifics. I wanted to. I wanted to ask him about his strategy for, you know, what he posts a lot of reels, a lot of coaching tip reels. Yeah, they're That's real kind good of too. His, yeah. his specialty is like coaching tips, like, okay, when you're doing this, okay, when you're doing this, like he does a lot of that. Yeah. And I was going to ask him a bunch of questions about his strategy for that. You know, is he just thinking of three things at breakfast or does he have like a week long list that he wants to, ah. you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. right. you know, he's like, I don't know, I'm just winging it, you know? <laughs> <laughs> So, okay, remember everybody, like, share, subscribe, comment, and ring the bell. There you go. You made me say the and. Jesus. <laughs> oh, did I? Did I drop the and on you? You well, did. You, you did. Be even, I was you like, do it I guess I got to do it. Oh. Okay. That, that was, was good. That was good. Well, we, hey, you came through. Are you going to try to get one more word out of me every couple of months? Is that the yeah. plan? <laughs> right, right. And remember... <laughs> I am mutant.com. Right. I think there's some sort of Boxing Day sale going on. I post reposted something. It's percent off right now. 27% yeah, okay. off, you know. This come out Wednesday. So, so this will, I don't It'll know. Be It'll yeah. be there. It'll be there. Yeah. It'll be there yep. still? Okay, good. good. Yeah, six still be days. there. Six yeah. Days. Cool. Six days. So four days. You got four days yeah, or three days. Right. I don't know however many it works <laughs> out to. And remember, Dusty 20 or Big Round 20, but you don't need to use one. And um, this see, week. I'm doing it. I'm going for the reverse psychology. I think it might work. Tell them to use I yours. Would, and then I, I would use yours then because I'd be like, oh, look how nice yeah, yeah. he is. Yeah. There you yeah. go. <laughs> okay, Scott. Merry Boxing Day. <laughs> yes. And, uh, and, and a happy Christmas. And uh, we'll see you again on the next episode of It's Just Bodybuilding.